So, Berto, I looked up some research and some articles about spending, you know, like mm. when you spend or how much yeah. you save or what your psychology is regarding spending money or saving money. And I thought I would talk about it with you. What do you say, Berto? I love it. So in today's episode, I want to go over some typologies, different kinds of spenders and savers, research. Uh, I also want to talk about our biggest regret when, mm. you know, spending, like what we regret the most having purchased. Yeah. And I also want to go over the top three best things that we've ever bought. This is the, the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Hanna. I'm a therapist and I'm also a professor. My name is Umberto Castaneda and I am an octopus teacher. So the average allowance for an American child is what, Berto? <laughs> it used to be five bucks. <laughs> okay. Um, Wait, yours was five bucks uh, per week? Yeah. Wow. Is that too much? When you were in high school? When I was in high school. Yeah, maybe I, I could see that. Yeah. When I was, when I was a 10-year-old, it was 75 cents. Although my mom stopped giving me an allowance once I got a job. Yeah, I didn't get an allowance either. But, yeah. but I probably got an average of yeah. 5 to 10 bucks a week when I asked for it. Okay, I'm going to say $10. $15. $15? Yeah. Kids are handed $15 a week. Well, to me, that actually makes me feel kind of okay because... Is that... That Not fifteen dollars doesn't get you very far. Oh, you're right. Because how much is a movie? Right, twenty That's, bucks. Yeah, right. So you can't even go to the movie. <laughs> right. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but when I got seventy five cents for every week as a kid, my older brother and sister were very angry because I think they literally got five cents a week. When, when they were, <laughs> and they're not even. They're oh only like six years old or seven years older than me. But <laughs> the, the and I might have told this story in the podcast before. I would have to go to my dad on Sunday and I'd be like, can I have my allowance? And he would rifle through his pocket and pick out three quarters and he'd give it to me. Well, at some point I just stopped asking probably because I didn't need to spend any money on anything. And about like maybe a year and a half go by and I, I calculated out, you know, like, Oh, actually I kind of need some money right now because I want an Atari cartridge or something. Uh. And so I pull out a calculator and I calculate, okay, 75 cents by (laughs) times, what is it, you know, like 70 weeks, you know, that's like, uh, that's like 50, it's like 50 bucks or something. (laughs) And so I go to my dad and I have all the math, you know, because we had never established that. Right. There was no rules. Yeah. And I go to him and I was, and I, and I thought he was going to give it to me because, because I just thought, of course the math works out. Yeah. And I, and he said, no, that's ridiculous. I'm not giving you that money. <laughs> and I just, and I thought, oh, and I just remember being really bummed out about that. Like you should have asked for it every week. Right. Most Americans get their first credit card or car loan at what age? Mm, well, first car loan. Or, or, or credit, credit card. card. Uh, 18. Right. As a teenager. Uh, when did you get your first credit card? Oh, I was so frustrated, dude. I was in college at UW. It was my sophomore, uh, my freshman year. I was so frustrated. I couldn't get a credit card to save my life. I went to like five different banks. You're trying to get a credit I card? I was trying to cre- get a credit card. Why? Because well, I felt like you needed a credit card to be legit. Yeah. You know, so I would go to a bank. Yeah, this is back when you did. You absolutely did not need a credit card. Right. I would go to a bank. I'm like, I-, I would like to apply for a credit card, please. Okay. Fill out the form. You Sorry, have been declined. Been declined. Oh, but how? What if it's a small? Did you have a job? I did, but they didn't care. I had no credit history, so they would tell me, "Well, the problem is you have no credit history." And I'm like, "But how can I have credit history if I have no credit card?" 
So finally, um, <clears throat> there was one bank. I think it was. Uh, I think it was Bank of America. No, it wasn't Bank of America. You would think that lack of a credit history would be a good mark on your record. Yeah. You know? Like, what, what does lack of a credit history... Uh, you know, if you, you haven't had, proved that you can pay a credit card on time. But if, if, you, if you had bad credit, I, I understand. Know. But if you have lack, shouldn't they just assume you're an average person? Well, the worst part about it is that by the time I was checking the fourth time, they're like, you have multiple checks into your credit. And you have no credit history other than the checks into your credit. Right, I don't get that either. Uh, Multiple checks into your credit, that's a ding. Why is yeah. that a ding? Like, I, I'm just kind of shopping around. It's like, a game. It's totally Finally, sick. I got my credit card. I think it was probably a $250 limit or something. <laughs> so for me, similar yeah. uh, similar timeline, I'm at UW, and I'm walking down the Ave, yeah. and there's this uh, lovely college girl mm-hmm. at this table, and she's like, hey, what's up? And I'm like, hey, what's up? And she says, uh, would you like to get a two liter of Coke? Free two liter of Coke. <laughs> and as a college student, I'm extremely poor. And a two liter of Coke would really go a long Definitely. way. <laughs> and so I'm like, free two liter of Coke, sign me up. Where do I sign? <laughs> what do I do? She's like, all you need to do is apply for a Discover credit card. Oh. So this is when Discover was yeah. kind of getting going. And I think one of the ways that they earned a lot of money was that they would just hand out credit cards and yeah. they would, I think your interest rate was like 25% or oh, something. Geez. Really high. Okay. And I had a $2,000 limit, Berta. Oh shit. That's a, that's an amp. That's a guitar. <laughs> I was, the, well, I was too stupid to actually invest that money, but on something like that. But I basically spent it at Denny's <laughs> and on like, you know, beer and stuff. And you were surprised how quickly that money goes. And well, it, it lasted a good, maybe a year, maybe. Okay. But that's actually surprising, <laughs> but maybe six months, not sure. But oh, man. yeah, it very quickly went away. Cause that I, was the, the first realization when I did have credit cards was I'd be like, wait, why is my credit card saying it's maxed out? I have spent nothing. And then I'd look at the at the thing at the bill, and I'm like, "Oh, okay. Well, I did that was, but that was only nine bucks. Okay, but that was only twelve bucks. Well, but that was only five bucks. And then you know, hundred rows right. later, <laughs> the average American spends what in interest over the course of their lifetime? Mm, well, you gotta include your house and your. Ooh, oh, how much money or what percentage? How much money? Ooh, geez. Oh, easily, easily two million. Uh, um, in the ballpark, six hundred thousand. Okay, so some people two million. Yeah. Some well, pe- I was thinking because like if you maybe I'm thinking about today, but if you buy a five hundred thousand dollar house, I mean maybe Seattle. Yeah, you're talking yeah, two million. Yeah, that's true. But if you're in like you know, Kansas, yeah, yeah. that's fair. That's fair. Uh, tougher bluff, Berto. Men are more likely to have a budget and keep financial records. Um, bluff. I'm gonna go. It's not gendered. It is gendered less oh. Likely. Oh, less likely. Men are less likely bluff. Okay. Tougher bluff, Berto. Men are more likely to feel they did a good job managing their finances. Huh. Less likely to feel. I'm, more likely. Oh, men more are, likely men to are feel. More li- so remember, they, they're yeah. less likely to keep a budget. Oh, but they're more likely to feel they did a good job. Right. Yeah, tough. Uh, bluff, no difference among oh, gender. okay. Darn it. <laughs> but remember, men are less likely to have yeah, a budget. Yeah, right. And, so it averages <laughs> Tougher bluff, Berto. People spend less when using cash instead of a credit card or gift certificate. Less when using cash than when using... Yeah, I'm going to go tough. They spend less when using cash. 
True. Because, oh, of course, we've all fallen guilty to this. It hurts more. <laughs> so, I, I, one time at work, I won a $100 Space Needle restaurant gift certificate. This was in 1997 or 98. Okay. Think about it. Back then, yeah, $100 yeah. gift certificate. Yeah. And for those who don't know, Space Needle has a restaurant that spins and you look out over the city. So it's super expensive. <laughs> yeah. And the, and, the, and the food is notoriously bad, or right. at least it used to be. Well, I didn't know because at the time I thought that like, you know, Pagliacci's was the height of cuisine. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but so like to me, a hundred dollars, you know, and you know, I, I think I won it because like we were doing a thing with the octopi and I just did the best job that day. So I got this hundred dollar gift certificate. I go to Seattle to spend it. I go with my date and I'm thinking we're going to probably be able to come twice. I think I spent $150 on top of the gift certificate. On top, right, because it's an expensive restaurant. And, your- I did, and that's at a time where I, I didn't really have $150 extra right. to spend. I shouldn't have. But I was thinking, well, it's $100. So, yeah, totally. Right, right. People are much more free with credit cards and gift certificates, which, you know, is part of our problem. Tougher bluff, Berto. Feeling good about spending money on someone else rather than for personal benefit is a universal response among people in both impoverished countries and rich countries. Oh, interesting. Spending on someone else. I'm maybe going to go bluff on this one, but in a weird way. Like, why are there so many people in this country that's the wealthiest country in the world that don't feel good about social uh, welfare? Yeah. So I'm actually going to go bluff. People in poor countries feel better about it. Uh, no, it's tough. Uh, it is a universal response, both okay. in impoverished countries and rich countries, that people feel okay. really good about right. spending money on someone else. Now, right. when it comes to, quote, unquote, welfare, then you have brainwashing and indoctrination okay. about what that means. But I guess if it's your own money that you're spending, it's... Well, and if you're literally handing a $20 bill to someone who needs it, it doesn't matter what your political beliefs are. But it's not the government doing it. Right. Uh, All right. From nerdwallet.com, an article by Amrita Jayakumar identified a number of different types of money spending and saving. And this is not based on research. It's just this author's own... Massinations. Okay. So there's the money uh, worship people. So you took this test, oh, right? I did take this test, yes. Yeah. So let me describe the groups. There's the money worship people, the money avoidance, the money vigilance, and the money status. So the money worship people, they worship money, and they overspend on themselves or others, and they have lots of credit and, and, and credit card debt. So this is... According to research, most common among Americans. So maybe this is based on some research. But anyway, so these people, they think that money will solve their problems and they earn and, you know, they, they're trying, always trying to get money and they're always spending money. And it's like money is their God. Okay. Then you have money avoiders. These people believe that money is bad and they don't deserve it and they avoid thinking about money. I find that category to be kind of weird. <laughs> weird. Then we have money vigilance who they believe to, that being frugal and saving is important, and they're uncomfortable discussing money at all, actually. They just want to save it. Then you have money status people, and they believe their self-worth is equal to their net worth, and they take risks to make more money quickly, and they buy expensive things. So, Berto, where did you score? All right. 
I was uh, the first one, the money worshippers or whatever. Yeah. I was a 10. So you're very much a money worshiper, yeah. according to this test. According to this test. So is that true that you believe that more money will solve your problems and you can never have enough money? Um, yeah. You over- I mean, I mean, I mean, I've got to qualify this. Of course, I am aware that money can't buy you love and all these things. But look, um, I, I think this whole thing about like, oh, money just creates more problems. And, you know, I was better. People actually would be better off if they were poor. Like, I've been poor. I've seen abject poverty that I wasn't even in, but I saw it around me. And it wasn't good. It wasn't good when we couldn't repair my, my grandparents' roof ever, ever, never. It was never repaired. And finally, the house was demolished. Like, that wasn't good. It wasn't good when, you know, like, I almost had to quit to school because... There was no money to send me to school. Like these weren't good things. So from my perspective, it's like money solves categories of problems. Now it doesn't make you immune to relationship issues or anything, all these things. And quite frankly, as far as like, could you never have enough money? Well, because I'm like a, um, I think that, you know, if I had enough money, I would spend it. I would spend it on creating new businesses, trying to do new things. Uh, so I would personally, yes, welcome an unlimited amount of money. Yeah. So yes, that's uh, money worship. Do you overspend on yourself? Oh, I certainly used to, you know that. Yeah. Do you have a lot of debt? I used to, I don't anymore. Right. So you've overcome your money worship at the negative side of it in your later years. Yes. Money avoidance. Did you score high on that one? Uh, the second category money avoidance. I was an eight. So I was pretty high on that as well, which I found to be strange. Uh, the These people uh, think that money is bad and they don't deserve it. Yep. And they avoid thinking about money. I do not relate to that. It's not like I'm always thinking about money, but I don't avoid thinking about money. In fact, I'm pretty upfront about money. Right. I, but I think I answered questions uh, in a way that somehow pointed in that direction. Like I, I answer questions stating that I like giving money to those in need, and I think that that's why they scored me high. So, yeah. are you a are you a person that avoids thinking about money? No. Yeah, I think this test was flawed. I mean, granted, um, I took it twice, and the second time I scored lower. Yeah. Like, so I don't know. There was do you, one. Do you think question. that Do you think that money is bad and you don't deserve it? No, I don't. Right. <laughs> In fact, I'm having a hard time imagining a lot of people that would be like that. Yeah. Maybe some. Yeah. Uh, money vigilance. So money, I, I scored an eight. Yeah, I scored high on this as well. These people believe that being frugal and saving is important, Yeah. Uh, which I absolutely am like that. I, I do believe that saving is important. and But that also says they're uncomfortable discussing money with others, which I am not. I am. I am. I tend to be. Really? Like... Um, I don't know if it was because of, you know, growing up, it was so uncomfortable. Yeah, that's, that's gotta be it. The whole money topic was so stressful because I went to a private school where most kids came from wealthy families and I always had to hear like, oh, there's some party. I'm not invited to it because they're inviting the rich people. They're going to a club that they're all members in. Or there's a there's a school outing coming up and you have to have money for it. And I was always like, oh, I don't have that money. And just like money was always a thing. And I was embarrassed by it. I'm like, I don't want to say that I don't have the money. Okay, so there was that. The flip side was 
once I started working uh, in a good profession, I don't know if you know this, but octopus experts, it pays a lot to teach octopi. So I started making a lot mm-hmm. compared to my peers, compared to my peers. And then I felt guilty about that. I was right. like, and so I didn't want to talk about it. Right. Cause I was, and so it's, I got a lot of like little neurotic things in my head about it. Yeah. Yeah, and our society doesn't help with that. Uh, then we have money status people. They believe that self-worth is equal to net worth. Did you score? Two. Yeah, I scored really low on that too. <laughs> like I have no, I have no, con- I mean, I'm sure I have some internalized connection between self-worth and net worth, but um, definitely not consciously. Uh, so, yeah. I've also seen how much luck there is in life. <laughs> right, Absolutely. <laughs> And and um, I grew up in a time and a community where there wasn't much awareness of class or money. I, I have a feeling like everyone in the Sammamish Plateau where I grew up, everyone was just kind of like lower middle class. There were we had one or two friends who were obviously richer. Like this friend of mine, Stephen, he he lived in this huge house that had this. It just looked it looked like the White House, you know. <laughs> Literally looked like yeah. that. And it had a whole wing to the house that y- you could access through this one door. And there were like, Whoa. you know, five bedrooms in this other wing of the house. Oh, my God. And he had ATVs. Oh he had, God. you know, he had all these toys that he had. Yeah. And, but he was like one guy, like yeah. all the rest of us, you know, the, the hundreds of other kids I grew up with. I don't remember any, I don't remember feeling any difference, right, right. drastic difference between our, our wealth and or people, I don't think, flaunted it in yeah. the 70s and 80s the, in, in suburbia. Certain, yeah. You know, now I feel like maybe it's just a Seattle thing or an American thing or something, but I feel like there's a lot more signaling of look at me, look at how rich yeah. I am. You know, that like the idea, the idea of someone who's rich, like say, you know, a moderately rich, not like a Jeff Bezos, but like yeah. a moderately rich person that lives on Capitol Hill or in you know in right. one of the nice neighborhoods in Bellevue uh, uh the idea that they wouldn't drive around in an obviously expensive car would yeah. be ridiculous right yeah and i i i mean it seems like that started to be fair it's always been with humans but there's definitely a trend in the 80s to glorify right money and wealth but i think for the average suburbanite there wasn't that compulsion you know yeah. people still thought more practically of like, well, why would you spend that much amount of money on a car? It does it's yeah. not it's not practical. I wonder at what point it crossed over from yes, I'll watch lifestyles of the rich and famous, but I'm not gonna like enact these things in my life right. to oh I better start enacting these things. Right. So our society if you look at our society, it's quite clear that over the past hundred, two hundred years, there's been an increase in materialism that has become really quite pronounced lately. Goes in waves, right? Because like the Roaring Twenties, I think were very. Yeah, certainly you had the uh, depression, which puts a crimp in people's yeah. um, spending habits. But certainly since the depression, there's been an ever increasing keeping up with the Joneses, yeah. signaling of your wealth. I, I mean, also think you know very like in growing up in Colombia. Colombia was a highly stratified society, like most of South America. Because it started that way, you know, from the con- from the conquest, it was always a stratified society, and it was a, an explicitly stratified society where you knew at the at the highest level who what kind of people were there, second level, who, you know, and so forth. 
Um, and, and I think that carried forward. So there was always a lot of awareness of social status and, you know, what, what area of the city you live in and, you know, what club you belong to. Like, that was a... Um, so I actually did grow up with the flaunting. And, oh, and if you but, had a Mercedes-Benz, man. But the uh, I'm guessing in Bogota, the Mercedes-Benz class was like the top 1%. Oh, less, yeah. <laughs> but in modern suburban America, I feel like everyone as thinks and tries yeah, yeah, yeah. to be in the Mercedes-Benz yeah, class. Yeah, that's fair. And once they have enough money, they absolutely will yeah. act as if they're in the Mercedes-Benz class. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, whereas when I was growing up, I feel like people were more practical. I, I feel Back like... I, my I, day. <laughs> well, my parents. I'm really thinking about my yeah. parents. They s- didn't seem to care that much about the signaling of wealth. Mm. And... Wouldn't. I wonder if there's a correlation between people not caring about the size of shorts with <laughs> signaling about wealth. <laughs> well, correlation causation, obviously causation. All right, CNBC.com, a, a article written by Ken Honda, Ooh. Uh, whom I don't know, but apparently we're at least at least some far back related. <laughs> um, for those out there who don't know, Honda is an extremely common name. In Japan. Uh, the, so they have the following different types. They have the compulsive spender. Mm-hmm. This per, no, sorry, the compulsive spender, compulsive saver. Okay. The compulsive money maker. So the compulsive saver is very frugal. Mm-hmm. Compulsive spender, they spend, you know, things that they don't need. Well, I've been there. Compulsive <laughs> money maker is, uh, and this is interesting that when I was reading all these different typologies, I would have thought there would be this uh, this dimension between saving and spending but there's this other dimension mm, of, of, making money. of making money yeah you know because some people because you might be a person who well let's let's sort of explore that i'll just put sure. this aside you have you you know you might save a lot and make a lot right you might m- not be that much into making money but you like to spend a lot yeah. but if you like to make a lot of money and spend a lot then you're okay <laughs> so you know yeah, but there's yeah. a cost to that because yeah. if you're compulsive money making you're going to sacrifice your relationships yeah. if you are compulsive saver you're not going to have a lot of fun in life compulsive spender you're going to go into a lot of debt so yeah. where where do you lie bro oh right I've been at different categories for sure um, so and I've seen people that were in different categories that were my friends uh, when I started out I started out uh, when I mean when I mean start out when I started working by myself and, and all these I definitely started as a compulsive spender who didn't make a lot. Yeah, I've heard a lot of these stories. <laughs> yeah, mostly off the air, yeah. and it really blows my mind. This was like, but, a, but it kind of makes sense. I mean, yeah. you're, you're 27. You're earning, and I've grown up without the ability of, of having money. Yeah, and your bills are pretty small because yeah. you, you live like a 20 year old. Right. So I'm working. Cleaning carpets. I'm working at McDonald's. Cleaning carpets. These kind of things. So I'm not making like big bucks, but to me, they're definitely big. Oh, enough. you were a compulsive spender even back then. Oh yeah, yeah. Even yeah. when you were earning like not so great money. Yes, that's what I'm saying. I started off as you, spending you, too much and not making a lot. Did you go into debt really right right away, or did you just never have money to like mm. pay rent or something? Or I was uh, not exactly into too much debt yet, because but I was. I was one of these people that was always manipulating, always like um, like moving the chess pieces, uh, like Monopoly player, where it's like, okay, 
I can buy this because I know that my uh, tuition loan comes on Monday. So I'm going to use that to pay off this part of the credit card. Now I'll probably make enough money, you know, like doing these kind of little haggles with myself. It worked as in I never like went under, but you know, it was stressful. And, and so then I would spend a lot of money. I wouldn't be making a lot of money. Then what happened was I started making more money. And at first I went for about two years of making more money and not spending and saving. So it was good. I was like, Ooh, saving money. Yeah. Ooh, I'm investing. And oh, and this is also when the stock market was good and I was making money. I was like, Ooh, I'm making money. I'm saving money. Was that like dot com times? Yeah. And everyone's a genius, you know, it's like, you can't go wrong, right? Yeah. So I'm like, Ooh, I'm a, I'm a genius stock trader and I'm making good money and I'm not spending money. Yay. Um, but then right around 2000, first of all, stock goes away and then I'm making more money. And then I'm like, gosh, darn it. I'm entitled to a good life, you know? And that's when the dark demons really start showing up. And that's when I start heading down the hill. Now, I was, I'd say I was the make money and spend money. Demons of of what? The compulsion demons to try to fill the holes in my life with purchases. So, you know, it was, as you know, for me, it was clothing and uh, mostly clothing at the time. And then it started becoming musical equipment as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, to give people a, a taste of what you're talking about, uh, what's the most expensive microphone that you bought? Oh, well, back then, not much. Eventually, five grand. Right. Yeah. So a really good microphone that you can use in a professional setting could cost $1,000, yeah. 1500 You're spending $5,000 right. On a microphone that I'm quite positive you would not be able to tell the difference between it and a... Oh, it sounded pretty good in our in our missionary album. <laughs> yeah. Placebo, though. You know what I mean? And there's something that a little EQ couldn't I tried for. Uh, the $4,900 mic, and it sucked. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what about something... What, what no, no, but... but okay. You've already told a story about the, the, the jacket. Herod's, the Herod's story. But you got to tell us another story. I'll tell you the Herod's. So my very first trip to England, it was for work. And you're like I, 30 years old at this point. No, I'm younger. I'm in my twenties. Okay. And I show up in England and I had a really bad stomach flu. I had this horrible fever and stuff. But when I recovered, I decided to treat myself because first of all, I think I had ruined one of my shirts because I had, you know, oh. thrown up and no, it was really bad. It was like the whole, this is that story of the whole eight hour flight from Miami to London. I was in convulsions and fever and like food poisoned. Oh my God. Yeah, it was terrible. Okay. But I feel better and I'm like, I'm going to treat myself. I'm going to go buy myself like a new shirt, buy myself. And I hear London's got good clothing. So I, I hear about a place called Harrods and I didn't know it was like this famous thing, but they're like, yeah, you should go to Harrods. Oh, it's famous? It's a famous place in London. Yeah, because like I, I Stacy. Snazzy, fancy. Yeah, uh, Stacy and I went there. It was, yeah. it was really cool. I go there. And I start small at first. I'm like, well, I should go find a new shirt. But then everything looks so different. And Wait, Harrods is a clothing store? I, they got everything, including clothing. Isn't it a casino as well? Har- Haraz. Haraz. Oh, Harris. Harris is a casino. Oh, Harrods. Harrods is like a store a store. store store. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so I go there and I start like looking and then, you know, the I start getting that whole thing about, ooh, I'm here. I might as well. I might as well show these people that I am a legitimate person and make a lot of money 
and I should show them this by spending a lot of money. And now the clerk that's helping me, I can't let them down. I need to show them that I'm a serious buyer with a serious cash flow. And Were you also trying to represent America a little bit? Oh, and sure. You throw it all in. <laughs> so I, I start racking up the things. I start racking up the things. Uh, one of the things I bought there, by the way, I still have and I love. You know my, my big uh, overcoat, that the thick black wool overcoat that I used to hang my missionary pin on? I would wear it to our gigs. Is it sort of grayish? Grayish, dark gray. Yeah. That was an amazing purchase. I still have it. That was bought there. But I also bought, you know, $1,000 shoes here. And it was in pounds too, so it was actually worse. Yeah. Bought shirt stuff. Dude, in the end, I spent uh, five, like close to 5,000 pounds. Pounds. <laughs> That's like seven grand. That's like $7,000, which I definitely didn't have. It was all credit. All credit. On clothes. On clothes. Were you thinking, how am I going to transport this back home? Because this is like a whole other piece of luggage. I didn't even know that I had to pay taxes on that stuff. You had to pay taxes when you get to the States. Yeah, I didn't know that. You had to claim it. Yeah. Couldn't you just say that you had it already? or did You did... I, You could. I don't remember what I said. I, I made it, Maybe I didn't claim all of it. I had to pay taxes, though. Yeah. Either way, I don't know what happened. I got home, and I was like, oh, my God. I've spent a fortune... In, in these clothes, you know? Yeah, why? Well, so I, I think that for me, one of the things that happened growing up is I, I literally never had the ability to go to a store. You know how, hey, it's back to school. Let's go to the mall. Let's pick out some. That never happened. Right. I couldn't go to the store to buy clothes. What would happen is my mom would send me clothes from the United States that would arrive and it'd be like some t-shirts she picked out, which were neat and stuff and some shoes. And of course it was cool, but I like I never had a say in the matter. And while I was there, if like my shorts tore or my shirt tore, like I didn't really that was it. Like I'd have to wait for the next delivery or something. Okay. And then when I moved up here, even in high school, my mom was still micromanaging this whole thing for the first two years, I think. So she would buy me my clothes. And finally, like when I started working, I'm like, what is happening? Like, I should have some agency. And I think I Something inside of me connected clothes buying to having self-determination, to being independent from my mom, mm. to like not being beholden to my dad's dysfunction. So I think I, I put a lot of things into mm. this. Yeah, comfort. Yeah. Safety even. Like me buying my own clothes makes me feel safer. Mm-hmm. Whereas in reality, I was making myself more unsafe by the financial burden. But Ironically. Yeah, ironically. That's how things like that work sometimes. And then you had a whole number of years where it was... Oh, this wasn't the end of it. This was, if anything, the the sad beginning. Yeah, it would be in spurts. It would happen. And it was just like in the movies. Like, oh, gosh, I've done it again. You know, like it was a breakdown. I would be fine for a couple months. And then all of a sudden, I'd go to the mall to buy something unrelated. And I'd walk by one of those really fancy, super expensive, overpriced stores. And I'd be like... It doesn't hurt to look. So when you would go into the store, uh, so I'm thinking similar to like heroin addiction or gambling addiction, sex addiction, something. You're walking by the store and you're like, well, you know, I won't spend too much. I'll yeah. just, I'll, I just want to see. I won't buy anything. I'll yeah. just look. And there's the two voices that I've talked about, which is there was a, a clearly distinct voice in my head going, justifying it all. Like, no, you're just going in to look. Like, oh, you can't look now? And there was another distinct, quieter voice going, 
you just had a bad problem a couple months ago. Like just, just you yeah. don't need any quotes. So you look at something and you're like, hmm, this is pretty good. Um, do you look at the Do you look at the price tag at that point? I think I did surreptitiously, but part of me felt guilty for looking at the price tags because I'm like, I should, I shouldn't care about the price tag. Were you concerned about people looking at you at the time? Yeah. So you're thinking, ah, oh, the salespeople are probably looking at me. Yeah. Maybe they're even standing right near. Yeah. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna stoop to their level and look at the price tag. No, of course not. Because what's what I need them to understand is how powerful of an individual I am. Yeah. Powerful. Oh yeah. Power. Power. I want them to know that I'm not just some little kid from Colombia who's got no money. Like, no. I'm a big important I'm guy a now. Big important honcho. I can afford whatever. I'll buy this whole store right now. Is that what you want me to do? Like angry, <laughs> angry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Kind of angry yeah. at them. Yeah. Like they were those rich kids that yeah. were that were discriminated against you when you're. That's you, right. Oh, I'll you don't sh- think I can afford this? Yeah, because it kind of comes across that way, right? Yeah. When the workers at the rich stores, they feel like they're rich. It looks that way. They, they but they probably the aren't actually. No, they're working for minimum. Well, not minimum, but whatever wage. Yeah, some commissions. But anyway, so then you buy the thing. So you don't look at the price. You bring it up to the cash register. Well, I'm not done, because I pick one thing out. And the, the clerk says, you know what would go really nicely with that shirt? Because they're salespeople. They bring back three pants. And you'll be like, well, I can't, I can't show them that I can't, that and I can't I, afford And it. I'll say, well, these pants go well with these. These don't so much. And they'll say, ah, but check out this shirt with these other pants. And I'm like, ooh, actually, I I wonder if salespeople know. The type? Yeah. This is a whale. Yeah. Yeah. This is someone who has a problem yeah. with spending. I know how to... At least implicitly, I think they do. Because... That's kind of weird. Like, yeah, those pants don't go with that shirt. But what about this other shirt? Like, I don't think anyone's ever said that to me. And not only that, because then there's the belt and there's the shoes and there's the jacket. Yeah. And uh, they're treating you like you're naked and you don't have any clothes. Yeah. Like you need you need need a whole set of clothes. And I loved it. I loved it in the moment. I was like, yeah. Like the attention. Oh, yeah. Like the assumption that you. There was also, honestly, there was also a self-image thing of like. You know what? If I, because I saw that mannequin on the way in, if I look like that after I'm done buying these things, man, think about it. My life will change. In what way? Well, people will be like, oh my gosh, look how cool Berto is. And like, you know, women will be like, oh, that's the man I want in my life. And and men will be like, we need to follow this guy. <laughs> you know? And yeah. I mean, I'm only slightly exaggerating. Obviously, none of these conversations explicitly went no, on. No, no. I mean, I, I, but, I don't think, I don't think anyone. I think everyone can relate on yeah, some level, yeah. especially maybe when we're younger and you look at a, a snazzy outfit that's expensive and, and <laughs> yeah. you, you just think like, man, if I was wearing that thing, forget about yeah. it. Like yeah. lights out, you know, yeah. turning heads. Um, there were even things I'm sure built in about. I remember that time I asked that girl out in eighth grade and I know how she reacted negatively. But she wouldn't have if I was wearing this. Yeah, and I think that's particular. I mean, I don't. Maybe that's a middle school thing. But I remember being extremely conscious of clothes <laughs> when I was in middle school. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it's almost like everything else is secondary to your clothes. Yeah. Your the the your face, your hair. Well, and it was <laughs> the, real. In, in I do remember this in junior in um, yeah, like the. The seventh through ninth grade, I really remember this in Colombia, especially. Accessories and clothing really mattered because I, I would notice someone came in 
and they were wearing a new little watch thing, a swatch, for example. And see, I would get a little lucky because my mom would send me a swatch and then I'd be wearing a swatch and then I'd be kind of cool for five minutes. But someone else would walk in with the other thing and it's like, and there was attention paid to those things. A trapper keeper, right? Like, ooh, where'd you get that trapper keeper? Right. And um, so there was, that was in, in a way a real thing. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so yeah. And so then after the clerk is done, presenting me all these things so are you feeling like euphoric at this point absolutely i'm on a high and terrified because what's happening inside is there's a voice absolutely a a little voice continuously screaming like it's actually not screaming it's actually really calm which is the funny thing it's going i don't think you should do this i think you don't need these clothes can we talk about this but the other voice is the one really loud going stop it Stop it. We're doing this. We're doing this. Stop it. We can do this. Why shouldn't we do this? We deserve this. Yeah. And then what ends up happening is after the clerk is done showing me these things. So is it part also of the salesperson going like, huh, wow, this guy. I mean, you, you imagine in their head, they're thinking, this this guy's buying more than all the other customers that came in today. And absolutely. And therefore, I wonder if they're actually famous. Maybe I missed the fact that they're famous. And you're thinking that you're kind of yeah. imagining that's what's going on in like, their head. Like maybe the clerk thinks I'm a rock star. Yeah. So you know. Do you kind of hold yourself a little, oh, little, yeah. little better, higher, oh, yeah. higher? We're joking chin. around, you know. We're like, oh, this would be cool at the next party, like whatever, you know, whatever BS. Yeah. Oh, really? You would say things. I mean, like, I don't know what I, but but I'm just in general. Yes, I'm feeling. This will be great on stage when I'm with oh, Beyonce. Probably right. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm feeling like this is changing my life. And, but I don't actually say, okay, thank you for showing me these things. I'm going to go with this shirt and maybe that belt. I say, I'll take it all. Give or take. I rarely turn down things because part of the equation was I want him to know that I'm that I'm, I'm the guy in Pretty Woman walking back into the store saying, oh, you don't think I can? Oh, I'm going to take the whole thing, you know? Yeah. I'm like it's so this. like you have so much money so much, that you don't even know how rich I am. It doesn't even matter if it's if no. you need it or not. No. It's like who cares? No. It's just it's no. another two hundred dollars. But then of course that voice is going like you realize you don't have this money. Yeah. And and I was like, what are you talking about? I I am gonna pay for it. So if I don't have the money, how am I gonna pay for it? Like you know, you're putting it on a credit card that might actually get declined. So let's cross our fingers here. <laughs> would, that, would that ever happen? Um, I mean, talk about a buzzkill. I don't remember it actually happening because the thing is, I was a, I was a master money manipulator to myself. So I would move things around just so it, so I would scrape by the chinny chin chin. Meanwhile, interest is building up. And what what would happen is, I was making a lot of money too, so I would pay it off. Oh, okay. So th- well, this is the okay. This is the other thing that fed the beast. So you're both a money maker, and a, I and could a compuls- justify it to myself. And yeah. when if if someone called me on it, I'd be like, "Well, tell me this." So let's say you actually didn't make that much money. Would you have maybe faked credit cards? Or- yeah, I think I would have gone down a darker hole. Maybe I don't know. Like taking a credit card in someone else's name. Well, I don't know. Probably not. No. I'm not a criminal. Not pay rent? No, no. Actually, that's not true. No, because I had opportunities like that and I didn't ever do anything like that. So your compulsive problem was... It it always stopped at the point of truancy. (laughs) Of destruction. Yeah. but You you might harm a lot of people on the way. And and I was harming my future. Right. Because then 
it got it got worse and worse to the point where my little finagling with money was now not like five thousand dollars. It was forty thousand. When you got the stuff home, were you like, yeah, or were you like, uh? No, the high wore off within maybe sometimes the same day. Definitely by the next day, I was like. And I was always like, maybe I should return some stuff. Because things never look as good stuff. when you got them home. Well, and even if they do, it's like, but now I have the reality of what I've spent. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I never returned anything until that jacket. Right. Until the famous, infamous jacket yeah. that I finally returned and was the beginning of my healing with the clothes stuff. Which, by the way, you are going to tell that full story On the 13th. at our 13th On the anniversary 13th. show. On August 7th, Saturday, we are doing a 13-hour YouTube live stream, and we asked the listeners to nominate 13 of their favorite stories of Umberto. Umberto's going to tell that one, because he's told that one a few times. Yep. And so join us on YouTube at 10 a.m. Seattle time till 11 p.m. Seattle time. And I'm going to tell a bonus story, which is the the Miami one. Oh, (laughs) bonus story. (laughs) Bonus story. And Berto's gonna Berto's writing songs that he's gonna play, yep. and we're gonna you're gonna be here, so you're gonna have to give me it on a thumb drive or something. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to have our top thirteen lists. Yeah. Uh, do you want me to look up the lists that I have here? So we're gonna do the following thirteen lists. We're going to do. Uh, wait, what are the 13 lists? Do I have my 13 lists? <laughs> I have them. In did, did I, <laughs> did I lose them? I could send them to you. <laughs> uh, wait, where are my 13 lists? Oh, 13th. Anyway, who knows? I can't remember. But <laughs> This is thrilling. <laughs> but wait, now I'm freaking out because this is my notes and I should you have. Send them to your students. <laughs> <laughs> I should have the list, but okay. I have. Um, this is terrible podcasting, by the way. Oh, I uh, have a whole bunch. Oh, okay, of okay, okay. It's right here. I, I, okay, it is random facts. So we have our top thirteen random yeah. facts. Things We're, considered bad luck. Uh, we have. You're going to do one hit wonders. I'm going to do relationships and 90 day fiance. By the way, when you say one hit wonders, you mean music one hit wonders. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we're going to do our top Kirk Berto episodes, yep. movies that made us cry, ways to touch platonically, which was, yeah. these were all suggested by yeah. the listeners, by uh, movie TV villains. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Song lyrics. Yes. TV shows, Woo! documentaries, sci fi movies, favorite moments of you and I together. Aww. And Star Wars characters. Nice. We're going to do Birdo stories. We're going to do Q&A. And like before, all this variety is going to make the time suspiciously go very fast. I know. Do you remember how like yeah. last year we were like, wait a minute, we can't be halfway done. Well, so what's weird, Birdo, is you know we've been recording now. We, you know, we're in our second episode tonight. And we've been recording now for like three hours straight. Yeah. And... That's a pretty good chunk of a, of 13 hours. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like it's been that long. Right. So just times this times yeah. f- about 4.2 and we're 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 yeah. we're all, all now. I will say that our 12-hour <laughs> podcast last year <laughs> by by hour 10 my brain was yeah. seriously like yeah. starting to die. Anyway, um okay, so in this article they talk about 
compulsive savers, which you are not. They talk about compulsive spenders, which you used to be. Compulsive money makers, which were you or were you just did you just fall into a field that made a lot of money? I fell into a field. I I was not a compulsive money maker. Yeah. I know compulsive money makers. <laughs> what do they look like? Uh, this person in particular, whom you know, at the age of 15, well, you know of anyways, at the age of 15, was selling his own homemade baklava at Society of Creative Anachronist events. He would cart them in, he would sell them, and he was making bucks. And then at the age of like 16, started selling Magic the Gathering cards, making a nice thing and became like the biggest distributor in the Northwest and blah, blah, Like they were always looking for ways to make right. money. So they, when they are in the shower and their mind is yeah. free to wander, they go to how can how I can squeeze as much yeah. money in the shortest amount yeah. of time as possible? Yeah. yeah. you. I have a friend that's like this too, and you know him as well. Mm. And he... Same story. In high school, he uh, would sell <laughs> – so he would go to Bellevue Square, the mall, and he would sell knockoff perfume <laughs> to the salespeople. Oh. So he would walk knock in – the- He would walk into Nordstrom and walk up to the salespeople and sell to them. Wow. He would sell knockoff like – you know, Dracar Noir and, and stuff like that. Like, oh at, you know, it was like like 20% the price. Let but me ask you, was was knockoff perfume a thing back when we were coming up? I don't know. Because I now remember that in high school, I bought knockoff cologne from yeah, someone in well, high school. Well, maybe. I, I have a, I mean, I, I don't know. We're not young people yeah. right now. But <laughs> I have a feeling that in the 80s, there were, there were like five scents that were like really, really distinctive yeah. And if you had it, people thought it was a status symbol. Yeah, I feel yeah. like today people don't recognize sense, at least in my yeah. world as well. But I remember like Obsession was a big one, Jacquard oh, yeah. Noir, uh, Fendi. Chanel number five. Chanel. And if if you had, especially Obsession, I remember that one. I, and I remember instantly, I was like, oh, that's Obsession right there. Was that a guy or a girl thing? Well, both, both? But, okay. but I think mainly a girl thing. But um, but yeah, so so this friend of mine would would was always doing. And I remember I would look at him. I'd be like, that that job sounds absolutely <laughs> miserable. Like, but he was good. How, but he's <laughs> like, but dude, you know, I I'm yeah. I'm moving. I'm shaking. It's all dependent on my work. I don't have yeah. to. I don't just do work and get paid minimum wage. Like, right. if I work harder, I get paid more. Yeah. And I'm getting better. And then yeah. you fast forward another couple of years and he's working some other angle. And you fast forward another couple of years and he's working some other angle. Yeah. Fast forward another couple of years, he owns all his business. Fast forward another yeah. couple of years. And yeah, so was, I feel like some people have that compulsion. Now, where where the, the passion is less to do with the thing they're doing and more with the money it's bringing. Right. The, the number in the yeah. bank account. It's, yeah. it's not, they're not doing something necessarily that's meaningful to them. Right. It's more just accumulation. Yeah. And... I'm not saying it's bad. No, and it's a skill. Yeah. It's a skill. Yeah. As long as, then that's the whole thing about all this is like, you can be an, you can be a compulsive saver, but the key is, is are you getting your needs met? And that's what I want to talk about with everyone right now, which is it's okay to be very much a saver. It's okay to be a compulsive spender. It's, you could, it's okay to be a compulsive money maker, but the key is, is, is it interfering with your life and your relationships? Right. Are you 
so obsessed with making money that you're not focusing on your other needs like exercise and family and relaxation. Um, Or do you have a balance? You know, that's okay. Um, The other uh, types of people that Ken Honda writes about on CNBC is the indifferent to money people. These are people who rarely think about money. Then we have the saver slash splurger. These people save, 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 splurge. Save, 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 splurge. Have you ever heard anyone like that? Uh, well, I mean, I kind of did that too because I would go through cycles, like I said. And so I had this thing where the savings would burn a hole in my literal, in my figurative pocket. <laughs> and so I would, I would be like, good, 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 save, save, save. And then I'd get excited. I'm like, Ooh, look, money's accumulating. And then I'm like, ah, the levy's going to break. <laughs> yeah. So I did have that too. Um, I guess I am my own example in that sense, but uh, I'm sure that there are even worse ones. <laughs> then we have the gambler. These people will gamble their money away for the purpose of escaping their own boredom. Okay, I, I've not done that, but I have gambled money for the purpose of trying to uh, fix my life, you know, get more money quickly. Really? Yeah. In what gambling uh, arena? So I don't, are we going to do the worst thing ever, the worst? Well, you might as well. We're on okay. the topic. So, in 2008... Well, actually, first, let's take a break. Okay. We get back. Let's get into it. What do you say? Let's do it. So, Berto, if you were a clerk, a salesperson in one of these high-end <laughs> clothing stores, and you were going to convince a young Berto to become a patron of the podcast, what would you sound like? Hi. Oh, my gosh. Look at your cheekbones. I haven't seen a structure like that. And I don't know how long. Do you know what would really accent those cheekbones? Let me show you this shirt. Now, granted, this shirt is sort of on our lower end of stuff. And you're totally entitled to buy it if you'd like. I won't judge you. But if you really want them to come out, I would go more towards this side of our aisle. This is the clothing that the people that walk out of here, everyone knows that they're winners. And on the other side of the aisle is something even better. If you become a patron of the Psychology in Seattle podcast, it comes with a free outfit with a jacket, shirt, pants, belt, and shoes. And all you have to do, in addition to becoming a patron, is pay 40 grand. That's all. And everyone will know what a winner you are. Let's do some OPPs, old patron praise, for uh, some old patrons that have been with us the whole time. There are some familiar names in this uh, batch, or at least one. This goes back to March 2017. So these are people who became a mm. patron all the way back in March 2017 and have stuck with, stuck with us the entire time. Yikes. We have Diane from Boise, Idaho. Oh. I never know I never know if it's Boise or Boise. I think it's Boise. Boise. And then we got Janine, who doesn't give us uh, where they're from. We, we got Diana from Con- Concord, Massachusetts. Concord, right? It's not Concord. Concord. It's Concord? Concord, Massachusetts. I didn't know that. We Easy ha- as one, two, three. We have Dara from I- IS. What's IS? The country IS. IS, no. Uh, Istanbul, uh, not Constantinople. Let me look it up. IS country code. IS. Well, so so IS is is. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so maybe if I put it in quotes, IS. 
still nothing. We just know we have no idea where where that person's from. Um, where am I? Okay. Then we have Katie from California. California dreaming. We have Shannon from Franklin, Tennessee. Tennessee. We have Stephen from California. We have we have Bernie from God knows where. We have Karen from HK. 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 Oh, I know this one. HK. I traveled to HK. Or I went through a. Oh, Hong Kong. Oh, never mind. I didn't travel to. Hong Kong, and then we have we have Ed. The famous Mr. Ed? Famous Ed, who is an even more deserving listener from Oceanside, New York. Woo! Go to the fan page for his wonderful support and personality. Well, he's got an attitude, though. An East Coast attitude. (laughs) And then we have, uh, it's just a series of lowercase (laughs) a, from Boulder, Colorado. Nice. We have Cooper from Louisiana. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Diane, Janine, Diana, Dara, Katie, Shannon, Stephen, Bernie, Karen, good old Ed, Ah, and Cooper for being a patron with us this whole time. So uh, we have your story about gambling. All right, man. Year is 2008. Not a good year to gamble. Not a good year to gamble. It, we can attribute it to FOMO, okay? Let's just call it FOMO. I I was in a mode where I desperately wanted to become wealthy quickly. Why? Because I was tired of working for a living and I oh. I just wanted to You want to retire early big. and become like a musician. Yeah. That's right. So, I had just heard about these things called uh, options trading. Oh God! And I really, like, I don't, I don't think I've heard this story before. And I'm like, really, options trading? What's that? And who you told know, you about this, Dean? You know, Dean, yeah. my ex roommate, Dean. How did he know about it? He had been looking into it. The difference is he didn't do it. <laughs> He's like, not only that, do you know that you can trade on margin? Now I knew about margin, and I knew how it was risky. But this, I was like, okay, so here's what I can do. I can go online and without putting any money down, I can make a bet that the stock for this company is going to go up or down. Let's say I'm going to go online and bet that it's going to go down or go go up either way. So I'm going to bet that it's going to go down. And I, 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 I'm, I've never heard the story. I'm terrified. Right. And like, listen, if it, if it makes the prediction or, or exceeds it, if it makes a prediction, I break even. If it beats it, I stand to make a ton of money. Like how much money are we talking? I can make a couple hundred thousand. Like in one day? In one day. Oh my God. And there's the small problem that if it doesn't, how I'll, mu- lo- how, I'll how, lose a little bit of money. How much? Not much. Uh, 40,000. <laughs> Wait, you're betting 40,000 to get 100,000? To get 140,000? No, no, it's not the way it works. The, the way it works is you're betting that the stock is not going to do one thing. You're betting it's going to do the other thing. Yeah. Technically, I could lose way more than 40,000. So it, are you, you're committing yourself, right? You're committing yourself that it's going to do one thing. And if it does, you'll make money. And, if and you depending don't, how much of it it does, if it goes up a lot, you could make 
god awful amounts of money. But if it goes the other direction, you can lose god awful amounts. You of money. owe that. Yeah, you owe that. Like you, you yeah. do you have to put that money up first, or no, you don't. That's the problem. You just you just go in and it's free essentially. So without providing collateral at all, yeah, you can just commit yourself yeah. to this bet, yeah, that you might owe two hundred thousand dollars on and not have the money, or for a it. million if you let it ride. And and you don't even have you don't even have that money. You don't have that money. Sounds like something that should be regulated by the federal government, right? Right. Wow. So I go in, put my bet. One day later, I'm down forty grand. Oh my god! It's like okay, 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 okay. Tell me the feeling when you check that. You check the numbers, and you're like, I, I wish I could tell you that I was devastated, but I was in such a compulsive high at the time that I justified it mentally as like, well, you win some, you lose some. I knew it was a gamble. I guess, you know, it's fine. Did Dean know about it? Oh, I told him. But I don't know if I told him the amount, though. No, I couldn't have told him the amount. That was too embarrassing. Did you tell anyone the amount? Yeah. Yeah. But, but (laughs) man. God. And it was all a loan. I I knew you at this time. I had to take a loan, you know. You had to take a loan to pay that off. off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you've never told me this before. It was the same. Uh, is this a more? Is this a? Is this another layer of the shame onion that you just have? We've gotten to a point. That's probably right because it was. But it was during the same. Because you've told time. me some pretty awful stories. You haven't right. told me this one. Well, it was during the same time that I lent all that money. Yeah, but that's that different. Did, yeah. You know, when you lent because you yeah. lent money to your cousin. No, this was definitely the worst of it. This was the because this is like a dumb choice. This that, is going to the casino and betting on one of the green ones without having the money in your pocket and not having the money, and then taking a loan from yeah. a bank, yeah. to pay that yeah, yeah. to pay that bet. Yeah. Did you ever make money on shorts? On the, no, 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 no. Oh my god! I never. No, so I, was I, that I was, was it? Is that your only foray into that? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So. It was. Um, so you, had, you got burnt, and you're just like I got burnt, and you're like I'm never doing that again. Now, I mean, since then I became wiser and careful, and never gambled again with things I didn't have. So the so, so the problems. Let, let me let me analyze you. the the found the foundational problem was you were, and this is a conscious thing. You were in a job that you didn't want to be at for the rest of your life. You also were at sort of the tail end of your potential music stardom years. Yeah. You're in your mid-30s, and you're thinking, this is my last chance. You, know, you don't see 45-year-old famous musicians. Right. Well, they, they are, but that's because they became famous at 20, and they're still famous. Right. <laughs> or they're a jazz player yeah, yeah, or something. Yeah. And here's my chance. So, and I, and I, I'm, my job requires 60 hours a week of work. I can't be... Right. And I just don't want to be locked down for someone else's business. I want to do my own stuff. Right. So I need out and I don't see a way out. And so I, and then you're look, you know, your radar is up. Dean tells you about this thing and you're like, you're, you need it to be true. You need it to be, uh, very possible, right, right. very likely. You know, Dean tells you when you know Dean absorbed the same data, and yeah. he's like, "Well, I'm not doing that. That's crazy talk." <laughs> yeah. But you absorb it, and you're like, 
well, this could work. <laughs> Take my money. <laughs> and I need it to work. And so I need to not, I need to be in denial of the fact that it might not work because right. I, I'm so desperate for something to work. Sprinkle in there a little bit of narcissism yep. and a general uh, lifestyle of, of denial that your parents kind of modeled for you as well. And you're off to the races. Well, and let's make it worse because, see, all things, everything else being equal, if this had been the one thing I did in that year, it was my one super response. I basically went to Vegas and I lost 40 grand, right? That's bad enough. Like that's, like, that's bad enough. But this was in the context of I was unemployed because I had quit on purpose. Yeah. So I was bringing no money in. I was burning through savings. I had just lent more than that <laughs> on, on wild-ass investments. And well, to your cousin. No, more than that. I had, I had invested into a movie. You invested had, in a movie? Yeah. What mo- how co- have I heard about that? Yeah, I think I told you that one. Oh. I put $25,000 into a documentary. What kind of documentary? About the uh, electronic music scene. And you thought that would make your money back? It, it, it's just so dumb. I was at the W, and the guy was pitching me the thing. And, and I'm you're like, drinking. That sounds amazing. And remember, I'm a powerful, super billionaire. Yeah. I'm the most powerful person in the planet, maybe in the solar system. So <laughs> I'm going to make your dreams come true because I'm that person that can do it. Yeah, you talking about this like they never finished the documentary. They never finished the documentary. He, bought, he basically just walked away with the money. and Yeah. And just put it up his nose, probably. I don't know, but I spent twenty five grand on that, and I lent. It likely some, went up his nose, right? I lent I mean, a relative forty grand. Yeah, to to your relative, right? To my relative, knowing that you probably would never see it come back to you. Uh no, that's not what. Well, maybe inside I knew that's not what I. I didn't do it, and I, it was supposed to be a loan, a, a real loan with a signed papers and everything. It, you know, we had signed papers. There was an interest rate, everything. Yeah. I also, uh, I had spent all that money on producing an album that I've still never finished, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was buying a lot of music equipment. So keep in mind, this isn't just 40 grand and that was the height of, no, no. Yeah. I spent yeah, I knew you that, I knew an you, ungodly amount of money. I knew you at this time and I thought of you as a very rich person. Right. How could you not? Yeah. But what was actually happening is I was going into massive debt. You had the sweetest recording setup. Right. You had like these panels, our live shows at, at that time. Yeah. You, you had like all this gear that yeah. you would bring. Yeah. And, I, and I was like unemployed. How could I do this unemployed? Like, of course. No. It was unfortunately me. Was it denial that it wasn't going to work? Was it, well, sorry. Was it a, a desperate fantasy that everything was going to work out? I need this to work because I because yeah, I have this. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I find that this conceptualization often is true. I don't know if it's true for you that when we are so desperate for something to be true, we yeah. will convince ourselves that it is true. Yeah, of course. Look, I I convinced myself my uncle was going to pay me back that money, and in the process, I was going to make more interest back than I was than I was getting paying the bank. But the desperation was fueled by I can't live the meaning of my life unless this yes, is true. Exactly. And and you know, I'll just this be movie another, I invested in. I'll just be another deadbeat corporate goon, right? If this doesn't work, right? This movie I invested in, I'm definitely going to make a ton of money from it because it's going to be famous. But more than that, that producer name on the on the film is going to be me. And 
uh, this album I'm recording is going to make me famous anyways. And this equipment I'm buying, even though I'm sp- spending all this money on an album, is so I can record myself. That's going to make me famous too. And, like it was just all one on top of the other. Yeah. And so in my mind, any one of these gambles was too much. Any one of these. But I did all of them. Was that the breaking point? Um, Because this is well after the jacket. No, my clothing, luckily, by this point, I was no longer addicted to clothes. Yeah, but in some ways, clothes was less of an expense (laughs) than this. Exactly. I don't know how bad clothes could have gotten, but I will say this got worse. (laughs) Yeah. The breaking point. I, 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 I do remember what happened. I remember when your breaking point was, but I, I don't remember. This is what happened, man. I, I stared at myself, and I feel like quite literally, and I said, wait a minute. You're going to end up like your father. Oh. What is your exit plan? Are you planning to declare bankruptcy and move in with your mom at 35? Like, what are you? what's your exit plan? Because... This is what your dad did. Because the, uh, you know, we're looking at a snippet in time, but the prospective fantasy spending was getting progressively worse. worse. Like before the 25 grand, there was a five grand thing. This is a manic, like, episode of me going crazy over a a period of a few months. Yeah, but it it wasn't the first time you had done stuff like that. It was like... Oh, and by the way, we're not talking... I did all these things that I just described. literally was from, like, December to march (laughs) right okay but what happened roughly by april or may is i had this very serious conversation with myself where i said no i am not ending up like this and what i decided i decided two things one was i am handing off control of money to someone else right and I found someone I could trust, and I said, I need, which is a crazy thing in itself, but I said, look, I need you to take the reins right now. Yeah. Number one. Number two, I said, I don't care where I work, I'm going to get a job. Yeah. And I'm going to start working again. And I started interviewing, and I spent, like, it was a full-time job trying to get a job, because this was during the freaking financial meltdown and everything. Right, right. I interviewed so much. I got told no so much. I spent nine months trying to get a job. Yeah, I remember this time for you, and I was impressed at how mature the the amount of maturation you did in the span of, like, two weeks was phenomenal. I remember... We were having all these conversations about this at the time. I didn't hear about that that forty grand yeah. you lost in one day in the stock market, but yeah. I knew about all the other stuff, and I also knew about your general acu- you know the accumulation of all the gear and just the yeah. the sort of properties that you had. Do you know what I mean? And within a very short amount of time, you're just like, I'm no longer like that anymore. I have this new thing, and y- you were like. It was like the pendulum had swung and you'd become like frugal. Yeah. You were you were at this point, you know, we would go out and you'd be like, I don't know if I can afford that. Yeah, it was crazy. Like and I remember going like, who is this who guy? Who is this guy? Yeah. I remember that actually exchange. I do remember that because something like with the uh, with the with the clothes, I had a, a moment of clarity, right? right? Like and something flipped in my brain. And and anyone who's had these addiction things knows that you you are 
actually changed. Something happened to me that physically changed me because it's like the that behavior then became impossible. I was like, yeah, no, I'm done with it. And then what happened is I actually buckled down and I spent years paying down my debt. And it felt so glorious when I fully I I fully paid it all off. Yeah. And I came down from all that. How long did it take? It took me I think it took me five years. Yeah. Five years of yeah. nonstop. And extremely frugal. I remember yeah. like you were counting every penny. You're just, I yeah. don't know if I can afford that. Yeah. I don't know if we can go out. I don't know if I can stay out all night. I don't know if I can do that yeah. thing. And and your living conditions were very humbled. Yeah. You went from a very swanky you know, fancy yeah. living to very yeah. moderate living. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and I and I just remember thinking Wow, uh, good for him, you know, yeah. that, that he has, it was almost like you had become a man or something. Yeah, no, it really, it was becoming, it was moving from just the, like this carefree child that was like, whoopsie, to like, all right, I got to buckle down and right. live a, a reasonable <laughs> existence. I will say, though, it was a bummer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like you were a lot less fun <laughs> during those times. when you became an adult. But there was a transition, and out of that transition, I came out more powerful than you could ever imagine. <laughs> because honestly, now, because y- you want to talk about my favorite purchases, which we'll talk about. Okay, we'll get into that. But 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 here's the deal: nowadays, when I spend money, I feel so good about it. Yeah, and it's it's just yeah, undes- yeah, indescribable. No, how no I mean I. I'm just saying selfishly from my place, I didn't know the destruction. Being around someone who is on that trajectory can be fun. Right. Because you benefit from it. Yeah. I I know. And that's part of why I did it too is because- It was fun to watch you (laughs) just spend money on stuff. Like you would would just splurge and I was, it was just kind of fun to watch a rich- what do we need for the show? I bought three. Yeah. (laughs) Or we go to Vegas. Yeah. And you yeah. would do all these extravagant, yeah. you know, you wouldn't pay for me, but, but, well, one time you kind of did, but that was, <laughs> but that wasn't my fault. That was your complete fault. Oh, the bottle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But there were other things that you did where I was just like, whoa, that's cool that he did that. You know, yeah. it's, it's fun to watch yeah. someone yeah. spend money and enjoy themselves. It is, but then it's got this price. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, was that part of it too, of like, I'm going to be, because you have that other personality trait of, I'm going to entertain people. Oh, absolutely. No, I mean, I, I, I think you probably remember at bars, at restaurants, I was always getting the check. Uh, maybe this was just ending as you met me, but I used to do that all the time. But even to strangers, not even to my friends. It was like, I'd be in a bar. I'm like, oh, I got your tab. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> like Just a random, random person? Random people. Because I wanted them, the bartenders, everyone in the bar to know. I'm the person. I'm the guy. Yeah. I don't remember. I mean, I'm Japanese, so I it, it, it's in my genetics. I can't allow someone to pay my bill. Mm. So I don't remember you ever paying my bill. Yeah. And, and I again, like you met me towards the tail end of that, but I used to be like that. I mean, the, actually, I had sort of a really bad one where it was, uh, <laughs> I... So embarrassed. I organized a birthday party. Oh, for we're going myself. lower in the onion. <laughs> I organized a birthday party for myself. 
I, well, no, you've told this story in the yeah, podcast. At, at the Wild, Wild Ginger. Ginger. Yeah, yeah. But I invited my coworkers. Yeah. Who, who, didn't, who didn't really know you that right. well. Right. Think how awkward it is to be like invited. But it was kind of like a lot of them worked for me or for someone that worked for me. So it was like they had to show up. Yeah. And it was a lot of people. And I picked up the whole bill. Yeah. How, how, how many people? Like 25? Something like that. Yeah. So Wild Ginger, I figure 300 bucks a person or something. I don't want to know how much that was. It was a lot of money. Like six grand, five grand? Probably. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. But it was my birthday. Yeah. So I think that one actually broke me a bit because I remember. Well, you said a friend of yours came to you like, what are you doing? Yeah. And actually confronted me about it. Like, why are you doing this? At the party was like, why are you doing this? And I remember not having fun with so many of those people. Yeah. Then I was like, what the fudge am I doing? Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that that slowly started weaning me off of paying for other people. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. So then we have the worrier. So this person, it doesn't matter how much money they have. They're constantly worried that they'll lose money at any given moment. Uh, I imagine you and I, Berto, are not like that. No. Um, okay. Uh, Tatzel in 2008 came up with three types of spenders in their research. And what they found were there were big spenders, non-spenders, and experiencers. So, Berto, think about which one you are. So we have big spenders. These are people who are materialistic. They're not frugal. They spend often. They have a lot of debt. And then you have the non-spenders. They are very frugal. They're not materialistic. So they don't have nice things. They don't care about having nice things. They save a lot. Then you have experiencers. These people are... They're not frugal, and they're not materialistic. Uh, they don't pay attention to prices, and they don't compare some to, to others, but they spend money on experiences. But they also don't – so they, 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 they save enough, and they, they're sort of in the middle, but they also have a value of spending money on things that have meaning. Uh, first off, Berto, who is the most and who is the least happy among these people? Okay, I guess does experiencer does experiencers include them literally going on experiences, or is it just more like the term is is like yeah, in general. Mm-hmm. So so they they're not frugal, meaning that they're yeah. not like really ultra focused on spending. They're not materialistic, yeah. meaning that they're not spending. I'd on, say the experiencers; they're the happiest. Yeah, they're the happiest. Who is the least happiest? Probably the the ones that spend too much. Yeah, they're the big spenders. Yeah. The non-spenders, the frugal people, they're in the medium. Yeah. Which one are you, Berto? Uh, again, I've been through all sorts of levels of this. I'd say um, a lot of my spending is experiential. I'm more of an experiencer. Yeah. I definitely dove into the big spender bucket. I had bouts with frugalism. But I think I've landed, and my steady state is more on the experience, experiencer side of the fence. For me, um, I've never been a big spender. I've like I, I I went into debt a lot with my master's degree yeah. when I was in my twenties, and but that wasn't even like whoa, right. let's get a master's. Well, it kind of <laughs> was because during my master's I could have worked more. Oh, okay. But I, I just was like. I don't want to. This is master's degree is hard. <laughs> but the want. fact that you're having that conversation is proof that you you weren't right. Expensive. Yeah, and it was. It's not a materialistic thing. It, you know, it's a thing for my career, which presumably would make money, and it did. Um, and I was in so much debt after my master's, I hated that feeling. And so, 
I b- mm. became a non-spender. So okay. there, there were times in my life when I've been a non-spender. But I will say whenever I have money, I pretty much spend it. But I also save money. Yeah. But I, I pretty much spend it, but I've never, like I've never overspent. So I think I vacillate between yeah. non, you know, a frugal oh, and experience, but I've sense. never been a big spender. If you think about it, even though I was buying those clothes that were fancy, like you, you, we've talked about this, like I've never bought a super fancy car, for example. Right. So there were a few purchases where I looked back that were a little statusy and things like that, like the jacket and things like that. But for the most part, I was trying to experience. It's just that sometimes it went too far. It was like just you when know. you moved into your more modest home in Totem Lake, did you feel ashamed of yourself? No, I was so converted. I was so changed. I was. That's the thing is, I think the thing that overrode everything else was the fear of ending up like my father in that mm. sense. And so I was like happy. I actually was really happy because it cost less. And it felt cozy, and I felt safe. Okay. And I felt like I'm doing the right thing. It felt so good. Yeah. And I got to tell you, I have the receipt, the final um, bank statement, when I made the final payment to my final loan. Yeah. Uh, I, I have a similar, I took a picture, or someone took a picture of me as I was submitting my final letter with a payment to my final debt when I was like 32 or something. Yeah. Like I, I basically haven't been in debt since I yeah. was 32. Uh, not basically, I haven't. Like, uh, you know, home loans, that sort of thing, but nothing, no credit yeah. card debt, no, and not, no nothing because I was in. So to be more specific, I had student loans, but I also, the student loans didn't pay for all my expenses. Oh, okay. And I still was kind of not being very frugal even when I was getting my master's. I had thirty thousand dollars in credit card debt oh, okay. at twenty percent. <laughs> yeah. Oh God! So after I graduated with my master's, I was earning two thousand yeah. dollars a month. Twelve hundred of those dollars was going to interest. Oh no! So yeah, that was not a good feeling. No, um, I was watching my debt get worse, even though I was working full time because of the interest. Right and. There were nights when, and that was when I really started to become a little bit compulsive about keeping track of money mm-hmm. and keeping track of like trends in my in my checking account. I still have I have data going all the way back to when I was like in my early twenties yeah. of how much debt I'm in, and anyway, because that was you know that was actually a pretty tough time for me of just and I was teaching at Antioch too at the time. And that actually, so I was working full time as a therapist at an agency. I was on my, on my off hours, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was teaching at Antioch Mm -hmm. on my off, off hours. I had a private practice, right? I would see clients at 11 PM at night. Oh man. Because I'd work all day and I would commute, you know, this is, I'm commuting all over to federal way. And I would see clients from 11 to midnight. Oh my God. And you, you put all this together, it's seven days a week, no days off, Oof. you know, 70 hours working a week for, oh, for many brutal. years, and I paid off my debt. Yeah, <laughs> you, know? you did it. Yeah. Uh, but, and living like a college person, right, you know, right, eating right. top ramen and all that kind of stuff. Okay, so biggest spending regret, Birdo. 
Is, is, did you wait? What did yeah, you? Yeah, that was my my forty thousand dollar. Yeah, you, you down beat, the drain well, in one day. You beat me. <laughs> so, I actually couldn't really think of anything. I'm just not a regretful person, <laughs> right? But there's really nothing that I've bought where I'm like, oh. So I I really had to scrape for like something that I regret. I'm sure there are many things that I if I knew of everything I've ever sure. bought. I'm sure there's a, You'd remember. a ah, half dozen right. of things like, oh, that was $500 that yeah. was wasted. But but it wouldn't be much more than that. But there was this moment where the podcast was making a little bit more money. This was a couple years ago. And I thought, you know what? I've been, I've been using the same mic oh, yeah. that I bought years and years and years ago. Right, right, right. And just by convenience, I've just been using this whole time. There's, there's probably a lot better mics out there. I'm going to go out. <laughs> so I, I did all this research. I remember I, this. Yeah, I was, looking, I was looking for the perfect microphone, and I did all these A-B tests, and I found an Audio-Technica mic. It's a boom mic, a, a you know, ribbon boom right. mic. Ribbon mic, right? Aren't those? It's a long, right. long yep. boom mic. Anyway, and I thought, yeah, this is, this is the best. This is now going to be my microphone. For the, it's going to make the sound quality of the podcast so much better. And it's a boom mic, so it's actually a little bit more convenient to yeah. my... Because, you know, these, these kind of mics we use, they're, they're kind of bulky. Yeah. I try it out for a while, and it doesn't sound good. <laughs> <laughs> and you're in denial at first? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it just never worked out. And I kept trying to use the mic. I said, well, yeah. maybe I'll go back to my other mic, and I'll use the boom mic for other applications. It's my fault. <laughs> and maybe I would use it for guests because, yeah. you know, sometimes when I have people come over, I, I, they have to put the mic really into their face. And yeah. I thought, you know, the boom mic doesn't need to be as f- f- close to their face. After a year of really trying to force this mic into my life, I just finally just put it in. I mean, it's I can still <laughs> use it if I really need a boom mic, for example, which you don't usually need. I have it. But that was four hundred dollars, right? Oh my gosh! Well, that's close. It's four. <laughs> it's a few less zeros, but all right, Berto. The third best thing you've ever bought. Okay, all right. The third best thing I've ever bought was the Sandman number one issue. Oh, uh, that's uh, graded and encased in plastic. Why is it the best thing? So. It's one of these things where so Sandman is this graphic novel series as a comic book that is my favorite, and I love it, love it, love it so much. And I never bought the individual issues; I bought the trades, which are the collected things. And I felt like, oh, I really want to own like an individual issue. And I thought, oh, it would be so awesome to own the first issue. And they're super expensive. But how, I, how much? Well, they they can range. Uh, you could probably find one between three hundred all the way to two thousand. Wow! And and it varies by how well it's graded, what condition it's in, all these kinds of things. But I did my research. I I was patient. I found the right opportunity on eBay, and I was able to acquire one for not the most amount of money, right? So like, and so is the value that when it came out, it's the first one. No one knows it's going to be a big right. deal, and it's this tiny little right. little alternative comic situation and then it starts to build steam it starts yeah. to, and then people start looking back at the first episode or the first issue as like that's whoa valuable. that's a valuable thing and the author becomes super famous in other ways too yeah and so and so i bought it for myself and and then what i did is i went on a kick where i said okay 
I'm not into collecting comic books in that sense. I, I don't go and find, ooh, I found this one. And I found. I actually buy series that I like to read, right? And I mostly just buy the collected trade, so I don't have to buy the individual issues. But I made a deal with myself. I'm like, I'm going to own some a small set, in this case it was five, of like my favorite things. And so I went out and I did some eBay snooping and, and I made offers on things. And I got Sandman number one. That's my favorite. I got the um, 100 Bullets number one. Yeah. I got this one called East of West number one. I got Walking Dead number one variant because the actual one is like 10 grand. I didn't want that. But I got like a, a variant that's a lot less expensive. What does that mean, a variant? It's not the – like every time they print comic books, there's usually variants. Oh. This one has a different cover. So it's not the first one. It is technically, when you open the pages, it is the first issue. But it's not the original cover. It's a different cover. Hmm. And that alone makes it worth way less. Yeah. But I didn't care. I just wanted uh, uh, Walking Dead. Yeah. And I bought um, uh, a Batman Harley Quinn issue that, that's really cool. And uh, the last one was, this one's the, the one I care the least about, but it was a, an Iron Man issue. And so I have them, the five of them above my book, bookcase. And those are my five collectibles. How much are they worth uh, you know, collectively? Uh, maybe five grand. Wow. Maybe less, yeah. depending. Because yeah. as soon as you go to try to sell them, you actually have to like, yeah, deal with the realities of selling them. That's cool. I can respect that. I am not into comic books, but and I, by the way, I didn't pay five grand. I paid way less. Okay. Yeah. So they, they're worth more now than than what I spent. Yeah. And you know, it's meaningful to you, and and you can look at them, and then, you know, and I didn't have to borrow money for that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. So that was my number three. Uh, my number three was my first car that I bought. When I was in my mid twenties, and I finally, or twenty four, twenty three, I got my very first job that paid enough money that I could actually, I had a little bit of extra money that I could actually spend mm. on something, and so I went to the Bellevue Honda in Eastgate, and I bought a white nineteen ninety Acura Integra with mm. eight with eighty eight thousand miles on it. Okay, I don't know how much I bought it for. I'm thinking it was probably around like. Four thousand dollars or something. Okay. It was just an, a lot of money, and it was used, so that it was on a payment plan, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, uh, the reason why I consider it one of the best things I ever bought is that it one had this huge boost to me feeling like a real adult, right? Because <laughs> up until that time, I'm always driving my dad's cars, yeah. my my parents' cars. It's another thing to have like this is my car. <laughs> I, I can do whatever I want to to it. And when I and I just had this feeling like driving around. I remember driving to I I worked at Evergreen Hospital in Totem Lake, and I got I got thirteen dollars an hour. I remember I was the richest I was the richest guy among all my oh friends. My God. And I remember driving up in the parking lot and just feeling like a million bucks. Just yeah. like I've got my Ooh. I've got a I've got my one suit that I wear to work. Yeah, my one, you know, one of the three ties I earn, I own. I'm in my Acura Integra. Mm. I and and the so the reason I love this purchase is that I drove that car past three hundred thousand miles. Wow! And that was a that was a cool car. That was a drag racing car. You yeah, know, that was a, yeah. I mean, I yeah. didn't even really know that at the time. Yeah. I, I pretty much just bought it be, because yeah. it was affordable and and. Man. And yes, and you, oh, wrote, you wrote a hundred grand more, yeah, two hundred, two hundred grand, yeah. I probably had two hundred twenty thousand yeah. miles additional. It wow. got me around, so that's my third. Favorite. You know, my my first car I bought for three hundred bucks from my girlfriend at the time. 
It was a Honda Civic, a beat up Honda Civic with 200,000 miles on it. <laughs> yeah. But it was fun. Yeah. What's your second? Okay. My number two, my Shadow Hills compressor. Oh. So, wait. You know, not your, not your other, the, what's, what's the one you use for podcasting? That's the one. Oh, that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's a good compressor. It's not only a good compressor. The story of it goes back in the time frame that we were discussing, 2008. So if people don't know what a compressor is, it's a vocal processing thing that uh, normalizes the volume, essentially. Yeah. And, and they can be crappy and they can be really good and stuff. Yeah. All right. So back in this time frame where we were talking where I spent all this crazy amounts of money and I was basically going down the, the downward spiral, one of the things I bought was this very, very expensive compressor. Yeah. And I had it, it was like emblazoned with my name, like in iron, you know, it's like boom. Wait, your name? My name, yeah. They put your name? Yeah, my name, Humberto Castaneda. On the compressor. On the compressor, because it was hand-built by this company here in the United States. Oh, my God. So I had it. Bam, 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 bam. Bam. It was sent to me, and it was glorious. It was beautiful. I had it. We used it. Yeah. Briefly. <laughs> because right soon after that is when I had my moment of clarity, and I was like, oh, God, what have I done? So someone has a compressor with a very custom. Well, because one of the things I did is I, I ended up selling a whole bunch of things including my red guitar that I still kind of regret to this day. Uh, it was a Gibson, you know, it was yeah. that, that ES350, uh, whatever it's called, and the hollow body. I sold, the, and I sold this compressor. Now, the good news at the time is how much actually, was that? How much was that compressor? Uh, I bought it, I bought it for 4900 Wow. And I sold it for 7000 Wow. Yeah. And the compressor you have now is a, bitchin' compressor and it's like 1200 I'm thinking? No, 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 no. This is why this is my favorite thing. It's the same compressor. It's not with my name. It's the same... It's the same brand. Same brand. Yeah. It's just a different... Well, I'll tell you what the difference is. The difference is that this time I could afford it. Yeah. And that time I couldn't. Right. And so, now... I also found it. I found a. Uh, I found a good deal on it and all these things. But the point is. But aren't, don't they run about twelve hundred? No. Oh, how much do they run? About forty nine hundred. <laughs> oh, they do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I think I was looking at a different one that yeah. was twelve hundred or something. This is this is still expensive. But 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 the reason it's meaningful to me is because of the significance. Wait, is this the big one with the big black knobs? Yeah. Okay. And it's this this tall. Okay. When I bought it, I couldn't afford it, and I had to sell it. Don't you have another compressor? I have a preamp. That's a Shadow Hills that's this big. Oh. Yeah. I'm confused because I remember when I was going back and forth with you about compressors, you were telling me about a different compressor. The purple. I don't own one, oh. but it's really good. And oh. It's, it's 1200 bucks. Oh, okay. I owned one. I owned a purple compressor, and I also sold it. Okay. But yeah, that. so people don't know, this compressor that Bro's talking about, it looks like a, like a spaceship console. Yeah. You know. But this again, the significance for me is not even about the compressor. It's that So that's the compressor you were you would always be using when you'd be podcasting with me? Yeah, that's the one we're using right now. Yeah. 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 Not the one we're using right now. Well, the one I was using up until our last session. Yeah. Yeah, that one was yeah, well geez, for five thousand uh, dollars. because that thing sounds great. It sounds great. But but the, the the significance for me was that I actually saved this is the difference. I saved the money explicitly to buy it. You saved it. I saved. And it's not like I saved. And you, you didn't regret it. You weren't like no, no. compulsive spending. You it were. was like this beautiful moment of finally, I can finally afford 
this compressor. Yeah. And, and I saved explicitly for it. It wasn't like I had a savings account and out of that savings account, I wanted, no, no. I said, I'm going to buy that compressor again. Once I'm I have to start enough. saving. Yeah. And once I have the money, I'm actually going to buy it. Wow. And I put a, I put aside in a separate little account the money incrementally till I was like, okay, there's my money. Buy it. So it's a, a, an emotional satisfaction. It's, emotion. it's like it, buying it a car. It symbolizes, <laughs> but, well, it symbolizes yeah. your maturity. Yeah. And it's, it's your health. not, it doesn't have my name emblazoned on it. Yeah. But I'm okay. <laughs> Did you buy your Sandman post maturity or yeah. pre? Yeah. It's interesting that you have two things from your That's post- why I was saying I'm an experiential buyer. I do like spending money. Yeah. The difference now is I like spending money I have. Yeah. <laughs> My number two is my very first guitar. I was in uh, a band in high school, and we were very, uh, you know, limited in our gear. And I didn't have, I couldn't play anything because I wasn't a musician. I could play trumpet, but I didn't play anything else. And we were at an army surplus store in downtown Redmond. <laughs> And we were buying these. We we liked to buy these army suits and 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 wear them in high school and act like dorks. It was it's hard to explain, <laughs> but anyway, there was this uh, army goose, suits. The, yeah, the, okay. the, the, they were like army like fatigues. You no, know, like um, they were these green jumpsuits that okay. uh, were full body jumpsuits, okay. and they looked like. Mechanic, like no, like mechanics. Oh, got it. They look like a mechanic yeah, yeah, jumpsuit. Yeah. Anyway, so is that why they call it jumpsuit? Is because of I guess so. Anyway, yeah, point I think is that's why that's a jumpsuit from a parachute. Yeah. Okay. So on the wall, it was this <laughs> guitar, this acoustic guitar, and but what it had on it was an was an internal mic, so you could just plug it into an amp, right, right. or a recording uh, deck, and. The drummer in in or the guitarist in my band, he's like, "Okay, Kirk, you're the you're the singer, and I have and I have the PA. So you have you have spent no money on this band. <laughs> the drummer has spent all the money on the drums. The drums. I've I buy the guitars and the bass and the recording equipment, uh, the keyboardist. You know, you are the singer. You haven't bought a single thing yet. So you're gonna buy that acoustic guitar. He didn't. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't mean, but he was just yeah. like, I think you should buy this acoustic guitar because." I need an acoustic guitar right. that plugs in. Yeah, yeah. And he said, and you can have it, but you you got to bring it to the. Sure. And I'm like, That's I'm like, and, and I'm like, okay. So uh, I don't know how I came up with the money. Um, I'm how guessing a hundred dollars. I'm guessing I begged my parents. I don't know. I might have had savings, but that doesn't seem right. Anyway, I bought that guitar, and I took it home, and immediately. I started experimenting. I had no idea what I was doing. And he taught me a couple chords. And within maybe two days, I had written a song. Oh, wow. And a week later, I've written five songs. Oh, wow. And I start going to other people, and I'm like, um, hey, let's write music together. It's kind of yeah. fun. Because you assume they could. Yeah, and they're like, uh, even other musicians. I would go to other yeah. musicians. I was like, let's write a song together. And they'd be like... Um, yeah, I don't think I can do that. I'm like, well, no, let's sit down. And yeah, I'd yeah. make him sit down, and I'd start going, you know, well, you just kind of do this, kind of do, you just kind of make it up, and you make up a melody. And they're like, yeah, I can't, <laughs> I, I can't do that, you know. And I'm like, but how come I can do it? Like, I'm not a musician. <laughs> I bought a guitar for someone else. It's just sitting in my room. I picked it up, and I just started writing songs. Yeah, 
can't everyone do that? It's like someone showing up to you. It's like, hey, let's do some backflips together. Yeah, yeah. What, what do you mean? Like, like this. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't do that. <laughs> so I played that guitar pretty much because I couldn't afford other guitars. Right. And it's a Mateo, which people do not. This is this, this is a brand that it's it's a very crappy uh, guitar. I, don't know I played this acoustic guitar for years and years and years and years, and wrote ninety five percent of the music Jeez. I've ever written on that guitar. Wow! So very much a very meaningful <sighs> object in my so like awesome. like if there's one object that I would want to be buried with, it might be that, that thing. Yeah. And it started my my writing and music life. Yeah. It's been with me through thick and thin. And it was $100 at an army stripper store. Okay, number one, Berto. Number one. Okay. So, uh, many years ago, maybe a decade ago, I bought a computer for my grandma in Colombia. My grandma you met, Liti. Yeah. And the, the goal was twofold. One is she, she didn't have a computer in the, in the house, but, but there was a bigger goal. I made sure to buy an all-in-one thing that came with a camera because I wanted to be able to Skype with her. And this changed my life and it changed her life because if you think about it, you know, at the time especially, I was only visiting Colombia every few years at the time. Since then, I actually went more often, but it used to be years would go by. And I think when you're younger, time kind of, you don't quite understand that time goes by and you don't get it back. So I'd be like, hey, I'm here for a month. How's everyone doing? Okay, bye. See you in five years. Well, we went from not seeing each other for years at a time to like seeing each other on video calls. And I would call her all the time. And I could show her my life. So you bought her what? I bought her a little all-in-one computer that had a camera. Oh, a laptop. It wasn't a laptop. It's like a little, one of those little stand standalone. Oh, like a monitor, monitor computer. Yeah. And set it up for her and everything. And that thing just, it was priceless. Like I would have paid a, a hundred times what I paid for that thing. Yeah. It, it, it's like, because we went from, like, imagine that. Like you, you don't physically see someone. And this was before WhatsApp and before all that, right? Yeah. So. Really, we wouldn't see even photos or anything. She wouldn't see my life. I wouldn't see her. To now, like I could share my life with her and I could see her. And now, even though years would go by, but actually fewer, ironically, this brought us closer together. And then I would go, it's like, okay, we're connected. You're, you're like a Dell commercial right now. I'm like a Dell commercial. No, that's really sweet. Yeah. I didn't know you were going to go that direction. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, my number one is my Audio-Technica 4033A condenser mic. The mic that I was trying to replace earlier. <laughs> the one you had this whole time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I bought this in 1998-ish. Uh, I think it was about $400, maybe 300 It was my first real mic. Up, up until that point, I had been using, like, sure, crappy right. mics. And even those mics, I somehow would just acquire. Like, when you're in right. a band, and, and, and my place was often the band practice zone, a lot of other bandmates will kind of come in and out of your life, and they'll just they'll just accidentally leave stuff. They probably take stuff too. Yeah. And for some reason, I had two sure, you know, the what the fifty eight, fifty seven, and a fifty eight. I think. And uh, the very first mic you can see behind me, it's a PV 
uh, it's a sure 58 knockoff. That's <laughs> terrible. I had one of those in college. A PV? <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. You, I think you could get them at like Radio Shack. I bought it at Radio Shack. Yeah, for like 20 bucks. Yeah. Yeah, and it looked like a real mic, but it was not a real it mic. It wasn't good. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so I'd always been using these really crappy mics that just sort of ended up in my possession, you know, and I was like, I can I can buy a mic. I, you know, at this point, I was actually I was probably I'd probably paid off all that debt I talked about earlier, right. and I was like, you know, I want to buy a microphone, and I bought it, and I loved it, and I actually wrote a song about it. You know, <laughs> I bought a new microphone. I bought it and brought it home uh-huh, uh-huh. to sing to you. You know, anyway. nice. Uh, <laughs> oh, by the way, we can finally harmonize again. Yeah, in person. In person. Yeah. <laughs> I recorded so many albums through that mic, not oh just my gosh. vocals, but like the guitar, yeah. uh, drums. I, you know, I would, cause you know, I didn't have a bunch of mics, so I would just put that mic near the drum set. Yeah. I also recorded probably almost every podcast we ever did right. through that, through that microphone. Yeah. Um, and recently though, you know, I tried to replace it and that backfired. But it was really bent, like it, oh, okay. it had it had been through some <laughs> some shit. Yeah, and so I bought a replacement and I retired oh, okay. that mic. So that one's now in the pasture. So if you watch my reaction videos, it's behind me in one yeah. of my mugs. And uh, in the you deserve it. Mike. Yeah. So I so I have the identical mic. It's just version two <laughs> <laughs> that I'm using right now. That's hilarious. Yeah, and you know, and it feels good to put that at the top of the list because it's been close to my face yeah. a lot. It, yeah. it not only singing, and it's enabled so much of your creativity. Enabled so much. So I mean, if the microphone could talk, you know, it's been <laughs> it's been with me through so many different yeah. uh, important events of my life. Yeah, you know? that's true. It's funny, both you and I have musical related things in our lists. Yeah, I actually I was thinking of putting one of my basses. Uh-huh. Um, but then something your music, happened. Your music band? Well, no, I was going to put my war, my Warwick because that one is my fi- my uh, five-string bass that I recorded all of my last album with. And I played that one in Electric Company. And I played, you know, all my last shows I played with that one. But then I was like, well, yeah. But if I'm going to have one music thing, I wanted this other one because it was like the, you know, that story of like yeah. achievement, you know, and... It was more than just the music part. And then I couldn't trump my, my grandma thing. So I was like, all right, fine. I won't put a bass. <laughs> all right. Well, so in summary, out there, think about for yourself what kind of spender you are. And think about your needs. Think about your needs for security, safety, fun, creativity, meaning, relationships, and all those dimensions how much you think about making money, how much you think about saving money, how much you think about spending money, what spending is to you. Is it actually saving? Is it actually meeting your needs or is it not? Are you spending money? Because research shows if you're spending money on materialism items, things that are keeping up with the Joneses, things that are uh, flashy, if you will, have a generally a very temporary boost in your happiness. Whereas having 
research shows if you spend money on things like a meaningful vacation, even though you can't retain that, it's a limited time. Yep. That generally, people generally feel better about those purchases years later than like buying a fancy car. Um, are you getting your needs met? What kind of traumas do you have around money? Did you grow up with money insecurity? How has that affected you? How do you relate to other people? How do you feel about yourself? When you spend money or save money, are you really uh, achieving what you are thinking you're achieving? You know, when Berto was buying, you know, something or other at the clothing store in London, if we were there and we were saying, you know, what are you spending this money on? What's the purpose? And are you actually getting that thing? Right. Or someone else that's like compulsively saving because you can go in that direction too, where you're just like save, 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 save. And one day, one day I'll spend. And then you're 65 years old and you know, you've wasted all those years where you could have gone on a vacation or you could have had that special Sandman first issue yep. for yourself and you didn't get that. Um, or you want to give money to someone else. You want to help someone out. Uh, research shows that, as we talked about, when you give money and you help someone like a relative or a friend or a charity or an organization, there's a tremendous amount of meaningfulness and uh, meaning and happiness that comes out of that. Obviously, you have to be privileged enough to have extra money to go around like that. And I want to acknowledge absolutely that there are a lot of people and some of you listening that are really struggling with money, particularly the pandemic. A lot of people have lost their jobs and we haven't really talked about that much. <laughs> you know, the, uh, I'm guessing some people are listening to this whole episode going like, at what point are you going to talk about the fact that a lot of us are barely getting by and we don't know how we're going to survive the next month or something. And that's real. And the thing I'll say about that is let's all help each other. And don't be afraid to ask for help. And don't be ashamed of yourselves, for sure. And also, let's all vote for politicians that are rational about how we spread the money around so that people can get back on their feet. Because certainly, if you know, super rich people can have, instead of that 12th yacht that they have, they can actually be taxed a little bit more and spread the money around so that people can actually feed their children and not have to be terrified of where they're going to live next week. I think everyone understand that as a fair and just world and everyone out there, please take care of yourself because you deserve it. <laughs>